quarantine and welcome to Dawson's Critique. I'm Erin Hensley. And I am Julia Callahan and we are two former college roommates and current BFFs who have loved Dawson's Creek since episode one first aired on the WB in 1998. Join us for this spoiler filled podcast as we interview Dawson's Creek writer Gina Fattori. We are going to reminisce with Gina about the show, her work on the show, and the struggles of writing a book, which Gina has also done. Alongside Dawson's Creek, Gina's also written for Gilmore Girls, uh, Californication. Uh, She was the showrunner of the show Dare Me, which is out now. She also worked on Unreal and Reunion. God, I love Unreal so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Today, we welcome Gina Fattori. First off, Gina, we're so happy to have you here. We like cannot thank you enough for taking the time (laughs) to talk to us. Um, You know, we, Aaron and I, I know when I saw, so, so if people don't know, I know your publisher. And so that's how we got connected. Um, And when I told Aaron, she was like, what? We're going to (laughs) get So just like oh, you have no, this is so it's so exciting to be here and to be asked. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah, well, we cannot thank you enough. And um, first, we want to say congratulations on your book. Yeah. So if you guys don't know and haven't picked it up yet, Gina wrote a book called The Spinster Diaries. It's a novel. It's so much fun. I read it like a week or so ago, um, and I just like it was just. Oh, being stuck inside with like a cozy novel was just like exactly what I needed. Um, so again, guys, the spinster diaries, go grab it from wherever it is. You get your books. Um, Gina, we can't say enough nice things about it. Um, so mm-hmm. y- as you know, cause you gave us a very nice blurb for our book. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> so we know how hard writing a book is. Yes. Yeah, so congratulations. Actually, yes. I mean, yours lines was- and everything. <laughs> So just like, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> you- Thank you so much. I mean, I, 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 my blurb was 100% genuine. I so much enjoyed reading your book and was blown away just by, you know, seeing the like intelligent analysis of something <laughs> that, you know, quite frankly, I'm not being down on our accomplishment, but I mean, you know, TV, especially network TV, it is a little more like journalism. I always say then people realize like we are writing so quickly, right. and especially we're back then during say season three. And uh, so, but you know, it's great to see like, oh my gosh, people were paying so much attention to this and getting something from it that, you know, there are a lot of bad lessons people could have learned from that. <laughs> so I was really relieved. Everybody was like, oh, this is great. This is a great lesson. I approve. Thank you. Well, will you tell us, tell the people who are listening a little bit about your book and, and sort of what it's about? And I mean, I could tell them, but I think it's better for coming from you. For sure. Yeah, no, my book, um, I actually, I, it's not like I ever go anywhere without my book, you know, now that it's printed, I have to keep it nearby. Sure. Um, my book is called The Spinster Diaries, and it really is just the story of a TV writer. Um, so many people have noticed that, like, if you're interested in TV writing, it kind of explains, I mean, admittedly, it's set in 2000. So it kind of describes the world of network television that's kind of fallen away a little bit. But it's really, really very much uh, based on my real life back then, um, which was a year in my life where I'd gotten this very odd medical diagnosis, which wound up being a really great diagnosis. It's kind of like winning the lottery of brain tumors because (laughs) I got diagnosed with one, but it was benign. So it's like kind of the best possible bad news that you can get, which is like when they say, oh, you have a brain tumor, but (laughs) it wasn't the bad kind. And, but it sort of set me on this journey to try to, you know, figure out when I was going to have brain surgery and did I want to do that? And Mm -hmm. so, um, the book is really kind of just like a stream of consciousness, uh, monologue from one character, very unreliable narrator who is based (laughs) on me. Um, I always try to be more reliable in my real life than I am as a unreliable narrator Um, (laughs) and and it also uh, looks back at a writer who inspired me who is this woman from the 18th century whose her name is Frances Burney and um, I actually in a very funny way a lot of people have told me they read the book and they didn't realize she was real so I love that because like what I loved about her 
you know, was that she is like a kind of one of the underappreciated novelists. Um, she worked before Jane Austen at the end of the 18th century, which is a period in English literature where there were actually a lot of female novelists. Um, right. Yeah. I always like to point out that like writing fiction, write, write novels back then, it wasn't prestigious. So they let women do it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like exactly. You know, like there are like certain things that like aren't prestigious. So yeah. it's like, women get to do them. And that was writing novels back in at, at that time in the late 18th century. So yeah. it also gives you a fun, it's fun, but it also gives you a little actual history lesson. So, yes. Yeah. So, and it's like a little bit of a love story to LA. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, Julia, it is. Julia, we were cracking up because Julia told me that it talks about losing your car in a parking lot. And that totally happened to us at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> That's no joke. Yeah. I mean, yes. Like, I mean, LA is like, uh, yeah, LA is practically a character. I mean, yeah, I, I know that like, you know, I didn't grow up here. Like so many people who end up making a life here, but it's just, it's changed my life. I mean, I'm about to celebrate every year in November. I celebrate the anniversary of the day that I moved here because Amazing. it did change my life. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. It was it was fun. I have definitely let, lost my car in the exact same parking lot that um, your character lost her car in, uh, as well as Dodger Stadium Dodger with Aaron. Hours, <laughs> yeah, around. hours. Um, so I, I, what I loved too about the book for Dawson's Creek fans, who of course will listen to this interview on our stream, um, is that. There are little Easter eggs for all of us. You know, there's a great I mean, my question is, of course, did did season three of Dawson's Creek actually give you a brain tumor or was that a little? <laughs> well, I mean, we still don't know. Yeah, I mean, it might have. It might have. But the brain surgeon said he said yeah. you could have been born with this. Okay. Like it could just be a little abnormality that was like inside your head. Yeah. I mean, you've always had it. But I mean, season three, I, I believe you may have read Jeffrey Stepkoff's book. I did. Yes. So I believe, yes. And so it it is possible, I think, uh, that that is what caused it. It certainly <laughs> taught me, you know, in both good and bad ways, it taught me everything about yeah. making a TV show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you learn so much from things going wrong. And uh, now that I'm the person, I've now become the person in, in my career who's, you know, older and more experienced. And it's because basically everything that can go wrong on a show, Went wrong. well, I've experienced that. Yeah. So I yeah. know what to do when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Totally, totally. I have a funny story actually about Jeff, which is that um, I used to work at Book Soup. My, my oh. career started at Book Soup. And I did the event for Jeff's book when it came out in 07 or 06 or whenever it came out. I know. Oh my gosh. And I, oh. I didn't know what the book was about. And right. I, you know, it was like my job. I just showed up for an event and ran the event. I ne didn't necessarily know who was coming in all the time. Um, and he's talking and I'm like, is he talking <laughs> about season three of Dawson's Creek? <laughs> Oh and I like afterwards was like, oh my God, I like totally accosted him and was like, okay, I have to, I have questions. So I, it was funny. And I hadn't read it until um, just a few weeks ago. Oh, oh, oh okay. Cause you mentioned it on, on the podcast that I listened to yeah. on the 301 yeah. um, podcast. Uh, that's actually, I realized I should, maybe I should give that as a disclaimer. I have this weird tendency, like and may I didn't never thought it was weird at the time, but all of the episodes are numbers to yeah, me. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't yeah. know the titles frequently. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually don't either. We've had to yeah. teach ourselves the titles. Okay. <laughs> <I know. so. laughs> exactly. We're so like the worry. same. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah you mentioned Jeff's book. I, I, yeah, I was like thrilled. I was like, she, she knows, she knows what we, what we went through. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. Chaos. <laughs> yeah. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I wanted to ask you too, like going from writing TV to writing a book, mm -hmm. like that's a, that's a real weird jump. You know, <laughs> you're in TV, you're in a room with people, you, you know, you might take a script home and write, write the words of the script, but you have mm -hmm. the bare bones. And in books, I always joke as someone who works in books, like we just put you in a corner and are like, come out when you have something. <laughs> that 
is a that's a very good question. Honestly, I think like my dream when I was a kid, I to me being a writer was writing books. And like when I grew up, you know, we didn't even know about who wrote TV or whatever. Yeah. Like it wasn't a thing. We barely even, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't think I knew, Oh, people write movies even wasn't a thing. Yeah. And, um, so I loved books and I, I worked as a, like I worked at a newspaper in my twenties before I, um, came to LA. So I had, you know, been like a copy editor and an assistant editor, a newspaper had written some journalism and essays and stuff like that. So I was very written word based person. Like a lot of people come to TV writing from, honestly, from performing, like, it's kind of like the high school split between like drama club and newspaper and yeah. yearbook. So like, <laughs> I was very firmly in like the, the newspaper yeah. camp. You're and, the Andrea uh, Zuckerman of the TV writing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yes. And essentially I, you know, was lucky enough to meet uh, my very, you know, my first mentor, Greg Daniels, who created King of the Hill with Mike Judge. Yeah. And he, I was his assistant for two years. And, you know, he said to me at the time, even like there's a craft to TV writing yeah, right. and, you know, we, we can teach people that like there's talent and there, especially on the comedy side, which is where I started, there's being funny, which right. can't. <laughs> but there's a craft to, to storytelling and to TV writing. And, you know, you can teach people that. And I was lucky enough to learn from him at the beginning and from a lot of other people. But I was still very green when I got to Dawson's. And, you know, of course, then by the time I was writing my book, it, start, it was like 2006, 2007. I had been working on you know, many shows like Gilmore Girls yep. um, was kind of what I was working on uh, back then. And the thing about being a TV writer that I think not a lot of people know and understand is that you don't normally have any control over the finished product. Right. So right. like I, on Dawson's, it's, it's actually kind of strange because like season three, I wrote seven episodes, like my yeah. first year on the show, which is very <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, you know. you know, when yeah. you get hired, you're, you're usually lucky in your first year to write two. Right. Often yeah. you're guaranteed one, maybe you get two. Um, and a lot of the, not all of the work is me. I mean, as soon as I can't really remember or not remember, as we go later into the series, my episodes really are written by me because the showrunner wasn't rewriting me and like I had been there so long. But for the most part, you know, I can remember one of my Gilmore Girls episodes thinking like, yeah, I got pretty much all rewritten except for right. like my Rory Logan scene, you know, or whatever it was. So it's just a constant. It's a great, great job. It's amazing. Like, you know, I, I it's been a thrill and a ride and I can't even believe I've been doing it this long, but you never, ever get that control really, unless you're the showrunner. showrunner yeah. So writing a book to me was like this way in which I could get that back, you know, and just really focus on words um, and not so much on, um, you know, uh, yeah, the, the rest and, of it. Like yeah. someone else's and, vision. Right. And yeah. collaboration is like, it's the world's best skill to have. I mean, not just sure. in writing, but in life. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. I mean, every group dynamic. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's very difficult. It's <laughs> I'll say no more. No, yeah. totally. Totally. We get it. Um, so I heard you, I, I listened to some of the podcasts you've done previously to prep for our interview. Um, and I heard you talking about walking into day one of Dawson's Creek with ev beat notes for every character from all of the first two seasons, which like, if people don't know, uh, that is not how writers normally walk into <laughs> <laughs> even a show that they're coming on to like they've probably watched some episodes and mm -hmm. you know um so so i have a question and first of all i i really see a lot of myself in that um and respect respect and yeah. secondly i see that too I yeah see you. <laughs> in you yes yep yep um and so we were wondering like what does it feel like or what is it like you're come in to season three season two has sort of fallen apart spectacularly I mean we can say it even though we love those some of those episodes you we know behind the scenes it. it was falling apart yeah. um and and yeah. you're coming in I mean it was such a huge show and 
what does that look like? <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. I, I, I mean, I, I still have that notebook actually. It was like a spiral notebook. And, um, yeah. So essentially what happened was, yeah, I got that job. I show up first day. Actually, I should go back because this is the, this is the Joey Potter extra credit project with the snails yeah, part right. of me, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Which is that like, so I did get the job on Dawson's and the funny thing is like, I, I knew it was, Dawson's and I knew what it was, but this is the part where me being a little older is kind of hilarious because like, I can remember being like, I don't know, whatever, when it first premiered and my friends just saying, you got to watch, you got to watch it. It's amazing. <laughs> and I'm just being like, you don't understand. I gave my heart to my so-called life and I'm yeah. done. That's like, my all time favorite TV show, Gina. I That's know. my all time favorite show. Yeah. yeah. Like bow down. Yeah. Like I was just like, there was no way like, and I, and I think probably, I don't know, I wasn't looking to become a writer of teen drama. I was working on half hour. Yeah. And like, I just remember, you know, I think it was one of the writer's assistants who was lovely and was maybe like four or five years younger than me. I was like, probably 28, 29, maybe. And I was just like, teen shows, not for me. Like, I don't care if it's on the cover of Rolling Stone. I don't want to hear about this. I was just done. Yeah. So, and then of course I get the job interview and I'm like, okay, I got a cramp. You know? and like, back then the agents would send you the VHS tapes and like the agencies had this, they had episodes on hand for you. If you were like, okay, I haven't seen the show and now I've got an interview. So I probably had seen maybe one or two episodes. Maybe they sent me a couple more. So I was covered for the interview. And then when I got the job, this is the weird blessing of the TV writer community. But there was a guy I know, lovely, lovely writer. His name is Doug Wyman. And mm -hmm. he just loved oh, yeah, Dawson's yeah. Creek. And he also taped everything <laughs> to this like, insane extent where we all knew, like, you can just call Doug Wyman. And like, I called him and he had them all. He had season one and season two. He'd just been taping them. So <laughs> he gave me the tapes. And like, once <laughs> I had them in my possession and I, you know, whatever, I probably maybe even had at least like four weeks before the job started, you know, it wasn't like you got the job and you're reporting tomorrow. There right. was probably a, a you know good amount of time there. And I just thought, well, of course I'm going to watch this. And like, essentially one of the first things that Greg Daniels and I would always talk about, you know, was the idea of the beat sheet and yeah. like in every scene, like what is happening to yeah. move the action of the story forward. Yeah. And that was just a way that he had sort of taught me to think. And yeah. like, whenever I would work up my courage and show him my spec scripts, like that's the first thing he would say, which is like, okay, what's happening in each one of these scenes. And, and so I just did it. Like, as I was watching the show, I just did it. And yeah. of course I was like, once I was in, you're not going to stop. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the one thing they did right season two was the Pacey stuff, right? Like the yeah. Pacey yeah. and these stuff. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, once I was into it, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. And, it That's just why like, everyone kept watching. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> and like, you know, obviously, yeah, Joey and her dad in the ice house and all that. <laughs> it happened. Know, yeah. Us, that yeah. happened. We can't deny that it happened, but I thought <laughs> this is my job to show up. And so, yeah, so I did show up the first day, like with my little sad little notebook, which is, yeah, probably not dissimilar from like this spiral notebook yeah. that I still have. Um, and I just, and it was funny because the first day, the first thing was, uh, uh, Tammy, who was the, you know, leading the room and, and the showrunner at that point, um, she said, why don't we all go around the room and like everybody take like three episodes and meaning that like, there's like, I don't know, there were maybe eight of us in the room or nine of us or something. And like, there were 12 plus 22. So 34, 32. Yeah, 34 episodes of The Creek. And so she was basically just saying everyone will be responsible for knowing exactly what's in yeah. those three episodes. And like, this is the moment where I'm like, okay, I guess I have overprepared. Yeah. <laughs> Let me out myself. And up to that point, I really did think everyone else would have watched the yeah. all episodes. <laughs> so funny. that was just me being like a huge mega geek. But, you know, looking back, like it, that's how you learn. And that's yeah. Yeah. what I knew from writing spec scripts yeah. was like, what is the storytelling formula that is happening on this show? My job is to come up with stories and like then construct those stories, you know, yeah. was yeah. like all I knew how to do was yeah. study. Yeah. 
I just want to insert here for people who don't know too that Greg Daniels created The Office. Like if yes. you don't, if you like King of the Hill, and then went on to The Office. So like, yeah, yeah, created The Office and Parks and Rec. Parks and, and Rec. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so every time you mention him, I'm like, oh, people should probably know that too. Uh, <laughs> so, um. Where did you guys get the idea? You know, I, like I said, I've read Jeff's book. Where yeah. did you get the idea of like, first off, when it was gonna season three was gonna work towards Pacey and Joey? Because Jeff says, like, uh-huh. episode eight, or something like that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Okay, that's good, right. The end. I mean, the ending scene of three hundred one is yeah. Pacey and Joey on the dock. The dock yeah. yeah. Right. So. I guess, like, in some ways, I, I know that, that that whole ending of 301 is totally Berlanti. Like, that was, like, you know, Greg basically, you know, like, I think you guys said this on your podcast even, like, episode, he was the only person at the mm-hmm. beginning yeah. of season three who had worked on season two. Yeah. So he was really the source of all of our continuity. And um, and I... I did think that he knew that kind of all along, but 308 is famously where, like, that's where production got shut down. Yeah. So, like, I think that, like, possibly what was, what is, both things could be true, which is that Greg already had those ideas, but he wasn't in charge yet. Yeah. So, like, technically, like, um, you know, and as we move through those first, like, you know, yeah, like six or seven episodes of the season, um, I mean, we were committed to doing that Eve related story like that was what you know we were arcing out and uh and you know technically Alex Gonzo was the showrunner um that was like I was never actually clear because I know I met Tammy when I first got there but then like suddenly Alex Gonzo showed up after her yeah and looking backwards it wasn't clear to me if if Tammy was like a co-executive producer which I I eventually became and like got stuck at co-executive producer for like underneath the glass ceiling for many yeah, years, yeah, which yeah. happened to a lot of women. And, yeah, you know, yeah. um, but I, it was never clear, but it was certainly like Greg Berlanti wasn't technically in charge at that point of yeah. the season. Um, so, but I think, I mean, yeah, that listening to you guys even just talk about, it, I haven't watched it in years, but you know, it, I was actually kind of like, well, yeah, that scene works. (laughs) I know. Oh, yeah, it works. (laughs) Yeah. It totally works. Like, it's true. Like, Dawson and Pacey were still friends at that point, which, like, let me tell you, that was so bad that, like, yeah, we, we, that they weren't even friends anymore after season three, but they were still friends. And, and, like, it was so moving to me, even the way you guys were describing it, because Joey really was alone. And, like, you know, and even, from the beginning where like Dawson was her best friend. So like, that was always what was at stake. Like, you know, you, she had sort of this weird relationship season two. I think I sort of blocked out the Joey and Dawson season two relationship, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) I like, they like get back together. And when we were doing the podcasts of them getting back together, I like had kind of forgotten. I was like, Oh, why do they string us along with this? Like what? (laughs) Because it's a common experience to like have an old friend and then date them and be like, Ooh, nope, that wasn't, you know, that was wrong. And go back to being friends for sure. You know, when, when you're young so it just it was wild that they <laughs> yeah. did that to us <laughs> yeah but like but even like I was thinking like we just finished 304 where huh? Joey and Pacey um go to get the plaque that says true love That's on true. it and they kind of like and it really is I mean I know I've heard you describe it as sort of an old um Oh God, what is it? Those comedies with Catherine Hepburn and Oh, Screwball. Screwball yeah. comedy. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I you know, I it is, it does feel that way where like you can feel these two people are I mean, obviously these two people have insane chemistry and they're so good together. Right. Um well, I- like you guys did mention this in the three and when you were talking about 301, which I think was true, which is that we were looking back to like, what was the show season one? And I think that's like a logical thing to do when season two 
you know, it's not like we were going to like bail on these people who had worked so hard to finish up season two, especially mm-hmm. when one of them was Greg Berlanti. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really when the show first started, um, the the Joey Pacey chemistry is there and in, yeah. in, like they are bickering with, with each other like screwball lovers yeah. from a 1930s comedy in the pilot. Yes. And um, so I think that like we were very much hearkening back to that and like, you know, having conversations that were about like, okay, what did everybody love about the show when it started so like I think that was a natural place to to discover that and yes like I mean Katie and Josh it was insane they were just like adorable together on screen yeah they really are yeah you know yeah Yeah. killer yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're the most yeah iconic TV (laughs) couple you know and I think that I give you know obviously Greg Berlanti like amazing amounts of, you know, just credit for like his sense of like structure in terms of like arcing out this story and understanding that like this was what, I mean, he'd only made one other or he'd only worked on one previous season of television. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we all know he's a boy wonder, but like, you know, this is one of the things that I think is harder in TV and like, it's, great when it when you pull it off to arc the the season so that people are really invested and they really want the next episode and and uh what's a thing that's going to keep them coming back and it's one thing to have like like i noticed when you were talking about the horrible moment at the end of season three where joey kind of you know, uh, yeah, tries to like yeah. take their stuff in front of Dawson. I know. Listening to you guys talk about it, I was picturing myself in that horrible room in the little yeah. tiny conference room at Olympic <laughs> and Bunny. And like, I every part of me, like, yeah, I yeah. just like, oh my god, no, like she can't do this, she won't do this. But yeah. I admit that I'm like always been sort of like conservative about stuff like that. And Greg Berlanti, all the two years that I worked with him, he would always be like, "What's the moment that's like the car crash? Yeah, that like yeah. you kind of would pull over and like drive slowly because you want to see that. Yeah, yeah. But it's horrible. And so, but it got us. It did seem to be pointing exactly in that Joey and Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. So I read that you were, well, first of all, True Love is my favorite episode of TV ever. The final of Dawson's Creek season three. <laughs> and I know you saw the cover of our book. So I read that you were there when Dawson <laughs> cried. I want to know everything. <laughs> um, Did okay. you know you were watching history? <laughs> I- I, I mean, at the moment, here's the honest to God truth is that like, you know, I've never talked, I've never talked with James about this. Like, I don't even know if I have, if James and I have ever actually seen each other since the show ended, mm-hmm. but like in the moment, it was like super exciting that like yeah. he got that upset about it. Yeah. Like that the performance was like that big because like, you know, it is a season finale and we've been playing this all year. And, um, and so I think like, we were just kind of like, wow, like we, we got it. Like, <laughs> yeah. he went for it because I mean, Dawson also as a character is just more contained, right? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. kind of his nature yeah. Um, yeah. to be sort of, uh, like that. And, uh, so yeah, like I remember just being like really psyched that like, it was <laughs> like this big place, you know, like I, I did not have any idea where it would eventually go, but <laughs> I, <laughs> it was exciting. And we yeah. were, yeah, we were on the, we were on the lawn. We were not close. We were like, right. you know, they can only bring so much cameras out on the dock and all yeah. that. And, but yeah, great yeah. moment. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think that's what um, James Branderbeek has said, that it was just so emotional that he just like went with it. And like, you know, like so many it's such a classic teen moment that you're just so emotional. And then it becomes this like iconic, like meme, you know, like representation (laughs) of so much, you know, (laughs) like, um, you know, what's probably true, which is funny about just like actually making something is that honestly, like we had all been through something together. Like, I I mean, I have not ever talked about this with any of the actors because I, it's not like I became friends with them and like, I'm still buddies with them, but I'm still buddies with like so many of the people from that, you know, writing staff and that world. And, Mm -hmm. and like, we went through something really, really hard. And when you are standing there filming the finale and it is like, I mean, it would have been whatever you film the finale, like 
April, I guess, probably. And, uh, you know, it's like you had, we had started in July, there was a hurricane, like episode (laughs) five, when we were filming, like, it was like every last plane out of Wilmington, I was on like, you know, uh, so it was a long year and a really yeah. hard, it's really hard to make 23 episodes a time. I know. <laughs> oh my so God. Wild. Yeah. yeah. So I like, mean, it like, they're all good, it. but it, it kind of does show you're like, man, I'm glad that they've limited to like 16 now, <laughs> you know, like, cause then everyone, I watch some CW shows and they all like slam when it's 16, you know, I don't know why they did that. That's so many 23. I mean, it was weird because it was it was always a weird number because Gilmore, they always did 22. And Mm -hmm. I think that was more standard for CW. And um, a lot of the CBS shows back then would do like 25. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. So we were kind of lucky to have the 23. And then, of course, at the very end, Greg and Kevin came back and wrote the movie that was like the ender of the show. So that year there were 25. Yeah. Yeah. So, But yeah, it was like it's just a way of life that like it's hard on everybody. It's hard on the crew. It's Mm -hmm. hard on actors. And um, and that's why you have like the weirdness of a rap party where you're like you're kind of exhausted. And (laughs) and I think those last couple days on the set, which, again, I was lucky enough to be, you know, we all four wrote that episode together. Shout out to Stepakoff and Tom and Berlanti and I. Yeah. Um, and we did it together and then we just divided up the writing credit four ways. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, got on the plane and, and went. And so I got to be there that year for the rap party and all those final cool. scenes, like the scene cool. on the dock with Joey and Pacey, too. I was there for yeah. that. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell me about that one. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I, I think as I recall, I mean, I probably should give I, I feel like I probably need to give them the credit. I think that like the. Oh, cause isn't this in your book? Like the moment where the permission to come aboard thing. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that may have just been Josh saying like, we did this before in this other episode. Yeah. And like, I can't remember if it was in the script. I mean, I honestly can't like, yeah. um, it's been so long and it was, but you know, we had obviously shot many scenes at that point mm-hmm. on that dock with that boat yeah. and the boat became a weird little yeah. character. The boat's right? like, like one of the best characters of season three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes like, on a journey that just, boat. Yeah. Cause we just filmed the episode or we just recorded that episode where we meet the boat and I like I had totally like forgot like it made me feel the way I didn't know was gonna happen I was like oh, the boat oh my god because I, mean, I rewatched like the final five episodes of season like during quarantine I've watched them four times already in sequential order it just is a comfort it it makes me feel good when things are wild you know um but I hadn't met the boat in a while and whoo yeah yeah. 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 Um, Gina, so can you will you tell us about you wrote the longest day? Um, which is I we got Twitter messages when we said we were gonna interview you about uh, from uh, multiple people that is like that is my favorite episode. Ask her about the longest day. Oh my god. So like I was thinking, you know, I looked it up, I remember at the time Run Lola Run had just come out, and then Go, starring Katie Holmes, yeah. had come out a few, which Aaron and I, it's a that's a movie that we love and have yeah. watched together many times. Um so, like, I had actually had some questions about that. Like, how did you actually construct that? Did you, <laughs> did you, like, did you, did, was it planned ahead of time that the script was going to look like that? Or was that something that you took home and was kind of like, I can make it work better, actually, if it does that? Or, like, how did you keep track of everything that was happening? Like, Okay, I have to say, so Greg Berlanti gets, like, all the credit for that. Like, basically okay. what I did was I knew I was writing episode 20. And so what I always did anyway, right, was I just was like, here's what needs to happen next. So I constructed on the board the way I normally would have for any episode. You know, we basically only had like teaser and four acts right back Mm -hmm. then. So like I just constructed the story in a way where the moment where Pacey and Joey and Dawson are on the lawn and basically like having that three way confrontation, Mm -hmm. that would have been the end of the third act in like an old school television structure with four acts. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it was like the height of the conflict. Sure. Yeah. And then. I, I, and Jeff Stepka was probably with me actually. Cause like we, by that point it was like the end of the year. And like, you know, I, we were, it was just the two of us in the room and the assistants, the wonderful assistants, um, who've all gone on to be even more successful TV writers than I am. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Greg Berlanti came in the room and he said, I think he said just, we were going to do this 
probably in a style like, you know, the Rashomon is the mm-hmm. reference that everybody yeah, always yeah. Makes, But we certainly, we loved Go. We loved Run, Lola, Run. We talked about that stuff all the time. And he said, make the third act the first act. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, then it just became a game right. of like, okay. And I think like when he said that, like, I mean, we already, I can't remember if we already no, we did not have the idea of just going character by character. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I've, I've never asked him about it. I should ask him if he remembers it differently. But I just remember him saying, make the third act the first act. The first third act out, the first act out. Right. Mm-hmm. Which it is in a way, because from Pacey's point of view, you see Dawson catch them. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First act break. And then the second act break takes you a little bit past that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the third act break plays out the whole confrontation. And the fourth act just moves forward in time than in a normal fashion. Yeah. So it was like just an experiment. And like, I know my first draft like was nothing like what aired. Like finally, Greg kind of took a pass through it. Um, so some of that is him. A little bit of it is him. And some of it is me. I know I wrote that like big fight between Dawson and Joey. Cause like, right. that yeah, was, yeah, that's yeah. a good fight. Was, like, really it big, really like, is. Okay, knock down, drag out. Yeah. Yeah. Fight. And it's cool yeah. because you see it from each of their perspective as it goes. And then you're like, wait, is Dawson an asshole or is he heartbroken? You know? <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy to hear that. Cause it's like, it was like, at the time it was like an amazing moment. I mean, honestly, when we did the table read of that script, I still think of that as like one of the true amazing moments of my TV career, because by that point we were still doing these table reads, but nobody read the script, right? Like right. I mean, they were just over it. And, um, so as they were reading the script, like they were really, we were in a, you know what? I think we were like in a garage by Dawson's house, like in Graham's house. We were probably in like a garage of like Graham's house because we were on location and, um, and they're reading the script. And like when it started over again at the top of act two, like I could see them sort of going, what? And then yeah. like they kept reading and they're like paying attention. Even Josh Jackson, who never paid attention at table, <laughs> like they're paying attention and like they get to the end and like, they're just like so jazzed and I can see it on their faces. And I was so excited after this long, yeah, hard yeah. year. I remember calling my older sister who had been a teacher, like an eighth grade English teacher. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you just had a teaching moment. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's yeah. what it felt like just to be with them in the room as they were like, it's experiencing this story that we all, you know, had been living with at that point for probably four, three, four weeks, right. Of like constructing the script, getting the script ready, prepping it. And, you know, before everybody sees it at that point. So it was really rewarding. I still look back on it. And honestly, I did my, I just, finally became a showrunner this past year with this show called Dare Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we did an episode that was, you know, a similar idea of trying to sh- use that device to show, you know, what each character is feeling and thinking. And it turned out so well. And I'm convinced partially that's because I had done it before. Yeah, yeah probably. And, and I, yeah. I did get to go. Um, I spent the whole time in the editing room with the editor of The Longest Day. Oh, cool. Who, um, I should give him a shout out, Chris Cook, uh, who did that with me. And, um, you know, it was because Greg Berlanti, his movie was like at Sundance and he was working on his movie and he couldn't be there. And we didn't really have a showrunner. And I just got to sit there and work on it myself. And it was so fun and so rewarding. And I learned so much from it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking to my brother and he was like, Ooh, you should ask her, what would Dawson's Creek be like in 2020? <laughs> but I'm like, 2020 is a little wild. So how about ni- 2019? 2019. Yeah. 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 Um, good question. I mean, because we like to say that um, Joey and or Jen would have had at least one lesbian encounter in 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like to think that like, Joey and Jen would have been friends. At yes. Least. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. funny all the ways to see, I love to hear people were just respond to the show and what was happening on it. But, but yeah, like, uh, and I think the idea of friends, well, honestly, okay, here's the thing, sex education on Netflix. Do you guys watch that? I haven't seen it yet, but no, I know. Not yet. Yeah. So 
I started watching it, I think when it first came on Mm -hmm. and I think possibly because I was in the middle of making dare me. And sometimes when I'm like really in the middle of making something, I'm not watching as much TV Mm -hmm. and I didn't really get into it. But after the show ended, I had even before quarantine, I just started watching it and I got into it. And the really, the, the boy at the center of the show, the, Amazing thing about it is that Jillian Anderson is his mom, and like for <laughs> other reason, you treat yourself to like Jillian yeah. Anderson, being like like a sex therapist mom yeah. to this kind of like cute little like fifteen year old boy who like is very like Elijah Wood looking, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. And but so if this was like the current version of Dawson, who's sort of like this earnest straight boy, um, his best friend is this gay black kid who's like, you know, uh, just like so much fun and like a burst of energy. And and the show really comes to life. Episode five, when you get more of that character. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know, everybody is taking a little part of Dawson's and reinventing it in yeah. some yeah. way in all these different shows. And yeah. like I guess even me, when I finally got a chance to be a showrunner, like it was funny because the, my co-showrunner, who I did dare me with, who's a novelist, like she had, she's never probably never even seen Dawson's Creek. Like she didn't have any idea that I had done this thing before with the multiple points of view. But my editor for that episode on dare me, this amazing uh, editor, Nate Easterling, he went home at night and watched the Dawson's Creek. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. it allowed us to have a conversation about it. And I believe the wonderful director of that Dare Me episode, Olivia uh, Newman, she also had seen the Dawson's episode. So it's like we all had a shared vocabulary that we could say, here's the thing we want to take from this. And of course, it's been 20 years and we've learned so much of how to do it better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Megan Megan Abbott was your co-showrunner, right? Yes. Yeah. She's lovely. Yeah. yeah, She's author of of Dare Me. And uh you know, we just went on this journey to making a teen show because, you know, for better, or for worse, I have worked on a lot of shows that have teenage characters yeah. or are about teenagers. Yeah. And that's been sort of great for me because people know to call you when there's a great <laughs> yeah. book out there and they're like, oh, it's a book about teenagers. Yeah. You know, I'm more likely to get it sent to me. Um, but, you know, also it's frustrating because sometimes you just think like, want to do something else. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so you are the queen of Dawson's Creek season finales. Um, Gina, you wrote. Yeah, that's you, wild. I mean, you co-wrote them, but you wrote season three, four, five. And what is I consider as sort of the season finale of season six before the series finale. Right. Like, yeah. Correct. So you wrote all these. So like, what did it take to write like a great, because, because all the finales are really great finales, yeah. right? Like oh. they made us come back and watch the <laughs> <Yeah>. next season. <laughs> well, I think it really, it's funny because it, I think it all just came from like that season three, like it said, by the time we got to the end, mm-hmm. the, you know, it was kind of like, we hired new people. Frankly, we hired Maggie Friedman came aboard at the end of season three and ended up being there season four and writing some great episodes. But at the end of season three, it really was just me and Berlanti and Kapanos and Stefakoff like left standing. Yeah. And we knew we had to do it quickly and we wrote the finale together. And then I think uh, by the time we got to the end of season four, I think, I guess maybe we already knew that Berlanti was going to like move on and and not be the showrunner anymore. But, um, you know, it just, it's a little bit of a cheat because it's easier to write half an episode. And so I think like there's that part where you just want to have do it together. And it seems crazy now in retrospect, but like, honestly, Tom Kapanos, you know, he and I were kind of forced to work together on episode 305. And, um, by that point, we knew each other really, really well. Mm-hmm. So those finales, weirdly, like, I mean, he was the showrunner, so he got to write the parts he wanted to write. So he <laughs> would write act one and and the end. Yeah. And I would write the middle part. Yeah. So like, it would just be it was like, we did have it down pretty, mo- pretty well. And, you know, the joy of the finale is that if you are doing it right, it, it should roll downhill and you know what's going to happen. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's fun to write, but yeah, it was, it was great. It was so wonderful. And then, yeah. And then I, you get to go to the rap party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, um, Gina, you wrote my favorite episode of season four, uh, which is called future tense, um, four Oh four. <laughs> oh my god an episode four is rarely appreciated an episode four is usually like a place when nothing happens no like that episode is a work of genius yeah um 
you so first of all well, you, you have to tell me drunk zoe yeah you have her. to tell me how fun it was to write drunk joey <laughs> oh my god okay yeah i forgot so that yes that's drunk joey and it's like jen's uh 16 candle type yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah yeah and um that's really like all of my anxiety that i had about like getting into a fancy college <laughs> yeah i mm-hmm. basically just you know, clearly placed on Joey Potter. Although yeah. I like to point out, I feel like she had it before I got there. Oh yes, she, oh, a hundred percent. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was doing, she was doing the extra credit beforehand, but, yeah. um, but yeah. And, uh, you know, I myself am not a drinker. Um, but when I do get a little drunk, I, I think that's probably kind of what I'm like is basically what right. you're getting there with drunk Joey. Um, and so a little it's... bit maybe of Catherine Hepburn from the Philadelphia story. Cause it is important moment when she gets drunk yeah. in Philadelphia. Totally. At some point, that means, Gina, that you are going to have to let me and Aaron take you out for wine because we must <laughs> yeah. see such a thing. Um, <laughs> and then also, I think you may have written my favorite line of the entire series, which is in Future Tense, which is when Joey says, some people like salad dressing on the salad. Some people like it on the side. <laughs> it's my favorite Okay. So I, that is, it makes me laugh to this day every time yes. I watch it. <laughs> Did she say that when she's drunk? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah she's like a non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty sure that A, that's obviously kind of like my Harry Met Sally, like, shout out a little bit because yeah. of the whole like Sally with her ordering. Mm-hmm. But I'm also positive that, like, you know, TV writers, as many people know, certainly back then we all ate lunch together like I don't even know where that comes from it comes from basically like you're working all day and no one wants to let you leave the office right so they just bring in lunch so everybody's constantly talking about food and like I am a picky eater and so I would have wanted the salad (laughs) it's possible that like that was probably even like maybe it was a joke in the room or something we would all like you know because we were eating lunch together every day that stupid room and you know, like Liz Tigelar was obsessed with Baja Fresh and like, you know, <laughs> we all knew each other's little food yeah. issues. So yeah. that's, but I, I'm so touched. I, <laughs> I have a super fond memory of that episode because yeah. um, the director, Michael Lang was just like so sweet. One of those like really experienced pros yeah. and, um, I just, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun time season four because like, you know, Greg was in charge and it was just like, we had a kind of stability that we didn't have season three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when you have Joey and Pacey actually together. Actually together. Yeah. (laughs) Nice to watch. (laughs) Totally. So we have some listener questions for our listener corner. And this is from Claudia. Mm -hmm. My question for Gina is when you were writing for Dawson's Creek, were the storylines influenced by audience reception to them and the characters? For example, with Joey and Pacey getting together, how much of any influence did the audience and fans have on these storylines? Okay, I will say this is an excellent question. And um, I have a ton of respect for the fans. But just because of the way the timeline works, like we were not influenced by the fans. Yeah, Um, however, I do want to shout out I wonder if I still have it somewhere. So much stuff came into our office season three. And I actually like I wrote something about this once. But like, and I mean, some of it I still have. Oh, my God, I bet I have my Dawson's coffee mug in there. Um, Like, do I have that? I bet I do. It was like, it was from the Joey Pacey people. And it was like, hellmates. They were, they were very devoted to like, it was hilariously funny. It was like, <laughs> Joey and Dawson are like hellmates and they should not be together. Oh. <laughs> it's Amazing. Oh my God. So like there was a coffee mug at one point and there was also like, and the people who wanted Joey and Dawson to be together, it was Daisy's because oh. of this thing from season two. Yeah. So like they would send actual daisies yeah. to our office, oh, like wild. the writer's office. And um, we'd get the daisies. And then there was a t-shirt at one point. And so, and I mean, and you know, we, of course we read the message boards, like right. they were called. And, but you know, we were always just trying to keep our heads above water and make the show. And, um, you know, we were so thrilled obviously when the audience went crazy for Joey and Pacey, but at that point, as everyone, I don't know, it's kind of like the joke about making network TV is like, you're steering 
an ocean liner. So like by the time you kind of sense what the fan reaction is, you're six episodes ahead mm-hmm, of exactly. where the fan reaction is happening. So you can't really adjust, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Plus it was like way before social media and, yeah. you know, like. I mean, shout out to all those amazing people who were like, <laughs> like, like some of them, like Mighty Big TV have gone on to be like really great, big, enormous writers who are like critics and hilarious. And um, it was, uh, and we would, yeah, we would look at it. I mean, I wouldn't look at it all the time because sometimes obviously we're not so nice. Yeah, for sure. Um, So Nicole, another listener says that she would like to thank you for Castaways and Four to Tango. They are two perfect short romantic comedies. And she would like to know if Katie and Josh were fun to write for. Oh my gosh. First of all, thank you for the compliment. Cause that, that is like, um, Castaways, obviously I have a lot of love for and, and always gets love, but Four to Tango, the, the deeper cut, the more obscure yeah. <laughs> reference, which is also kind of a meaningful one to me because that was one that, um, Greg Berlanti probably also should get a little bit of credit for that, but we, that was right after the production shutdown with 409 mm-hmm. and we, um, basically it was like midnight, 4am at his house and he was just like, we've got to rebreak this story, like come over and, um, we came up with that. I don't even, he, I'm sure the dancing teacher was, was all him and everything. And, and so that was probably my first time really now that I think about it, of maybe writing the, the Joey and Pacey. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was effortless. It was so easy. It was so fun because it was just how they really were. I mean, I, you know, Josh, I think is genuinely like an intelligent, hyperverbal person. Like yeah. I always noticed that like, I thought it was like, it was kind of like a war of escalation. Cause like I said, I had already seen all 35 episodes when I started the show mm-hmm. and the way, what you do when you're writing is you just listen to the show all the time. Right. So like it's a verbose show famously with all yeah. these words. So as you're trying to write it, you write a lot of words and then Josh would like basically add extra words <laughs> as he's like doing the talking. So then you're like, well, now it sounds right to me that there's more words. And right. then like, he's like adding even more words. And it was just like escalation, escalation. Katie always knew her lines, like a hundred percent knew them. Like it was like a gift and just so much fun because yeah, that she could go with him if he went a little off, but like, they just, it was fun. It was super fun. And, and that in a strange way, that was, like I said, I thought I was going to do comedy originally in my career and, you know, they had a rapport and honestly, a lot of the Jen and Jack stuff, I'm very yeah. proud of. It's yeah. my stuff. Oh, you know, like yeah. I had okay. two interviews on Will and Grace where I did not get the job. Uh, um, and, uh, so, you know, I just kind of used Dawson's to yeah. write that same yeah. stuff. That's yeah. just like iconic. Well, it's Jen's funny. so underrated. <laughs> yeah. We, it's funny because we, Aaron and I were, um, when we were putting the book together, we realized how many quotes from episode five, mm-hmm. um, which is your first episode that we really yeah. used. And it was almost all about Jen and all Jack. Jen and Jack. <laughs> and it was like whole scenes of Jen and Jack. Yeah. And we were like, this is amazing. This, this is, is amazing. amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. So it's you don't think of that episode like as being iconic, but then when you go back, you're like, dang, because that's like the true soulmates, Jen and Jack, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, so when you sweet. revisit them. That also like, so that story, the little story that Jen and Jack have in episode 305, like in episode 305, like I said, Tom Kapanos and I were sort of asked to do an episode together, even though we were not a writing team. And the way we split it up was he wrote the A story, which would have involved Dawson, I guess. And yeah. I wrote the B and the C stories. Like I wrote the smaller stories. So it was Jen and Jack. And then the other one was Andy and Joey, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. And Rob, the horrible yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. But yeah. this is so meaningful to me because that Jen and Jack story, like that is my story. Like that is like... I mean, I don't mean that it happened to me, but like I told you, I prepared my heart out by watching all of those episodes and thinking, what is an up? What is a story on Dawson's Creek? And then like I came up with that entirely on my own. And I believe I'm pretty sure I showed it to Greg Berlanti on the sly. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, person who was here last year, (laughs) (laughs) my idea for a story. And he probably helped me with it a little bit or whatever. But it just went through the system, like as the story that I wanted to do. And of course, like 
in my whole career that that hardly ever happens. Like usually <laughs> it gets changed and things, you know, whatever. But so that's very, very meaningful to me to hear that you guys liked it. Oh, loved it. <laughs> loved it. Yeah. We love watching them and yeah. season three, like their love story unfolds the same with um, Pacey and Joey. So it's like dynamic to watch. Yeah. <sighs> and then our final listener, this is from Craig and he says, I would love to know how you enjoyed your visits to Wilmington. And if you have any memories of the first team PA. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, uh, I, oh, well, at first I did not enjoy Wilmington because it was terrifying and I'd never been on a set before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there really was a hurricane my first trip. To the airport immediately. Yes. Um, I'm assuming that Craig maybe was the first team. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I, uh, my first season, honestly, what I remember the most of is being annoying to everybody on the set because I did not own a cell phone. And like, oh. at the first point, like they were, I remember Greg Berlanti just yelling at me going like, you got to get a cell phone. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I was standing on Dawson's front lawn at that point, And like, they were like, the LA is calling for you. And so the PA would have to bring me the, the, the phone. Um, <laughs> Like the first team PA is the person who works with the actor. So um, I probably not have, you know, but that's God, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, I genuinely came to love Wilmington because I realized that while for the actors, it was like, we're in this small town mm-hmm. and that really informed those four years of their life being in this small town. I was already in my thirties and I had lived yeah. in like New York, Chicago and LA. Right. So like, I would go on my trips to Wilmington and I'd be like in this really like, you know, picturesque like town. I'm like yeah. living in the hotel and walking on the river and weekends I'd go to the little record store and I saw the two towers five times at the car mics. They didn't have anything else to do on weekends. And I fucking love the two towers. And, um, yeah, it's like, I really, you know, and the people in the production office were the first people that I really met because yeah, my first trip, I would just like, you know, stick close to the office. Um, and it took a while to get to know everybody. And, uh, really by the end of season three, because I had done seven episodes, I had spent, an enormous amount of time in Wilmington and the director of photography, shout out to Frank Pearl um, on my episode 320, the the longest day one. Um, he just really like reached out to me and he was like, this is amazing. I totally get what you're doing. Like, this is so Aww. cool. And um, you know, it was just like, suddenly, I don't know. I felt a little more at home and a little more welcome cool. um, in Wilmington and yeah, it's a, I have never been back since the <laughs> final rap party moment. But we, visit, we visited it once, so I think it's yeah. fun to visit. I don't know if I could live there, but yeah, we did a visit. road trip. We did a road trip through it and went. Was to- there like a tour happening or anything? Or no. no, we did our own. Like I found some stuff online, and you know, we went to the wall, and <laughs> yep. you know, we walked along the dock and everything. You know, just like. If you went to Hell's Kitchen and had drinks there, you know, just like if you ever need to plan a road trip where you need to know things like that, Erin Hensley's your gal. She, um, yeah, she (laughs) had a, I think she had a binder for us. Yeah. Well, I have to give a shout out to like my wonderful assistant who worked for me on Dare Me, um, Melissa Merch, because she grew up in North Carolina. So she was actually there. I mean, she's probably about the same age as you guys, but like she was there during that time when she was a teen. So she got to do like, you know, the, you know, two, I don't know if they had like a tour at, screen gems where you could go and see the sets and you know there was a lot more like Dawson's activity when yeah. it was filming. I think they had some tours but we were like broke yeah so. this was a long it was like 10 years ago so. yeah it was like 10 or 15 years ago we did all the free stuff yeah <laughs> just walking around yeah <laughs> but yeah we love weird shit like that yeah you know so you know. <laughs> um okay so at the end of every episode I don't know if you remember I asked Julia which character she's rooting for so Dina who which character were you rooting for oh my gosh I mean I guess like in a weird way I mean only Joey and Jen I guess first you know like I've already said like there was a part of me that like I mean I related to all of these characters as I was writing them and we all used to joke like you know, we all related to Dawson in some way, just because he was someone who wanted to be a filmmaker. And right. here he 
sitting here as writers, every single one of us, you know, even if we didn't want to be Spielberg, you know, which mm-hmm. never occurred to me to want to be Spielberg, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, you know, we all wanted to be writers in some way. And, 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 uh, so we got that, but, you know, I, I do look back in an interesting way. And I think the thing about Joey Potter as a character is that she was really flawed in these great yeah. ways that are like really real. And she was very insecure. And I think I unfortunately put some of my insecurities on her. And, um, you know, a lot of scenes that I wrote, you know, Pacey was propping her up in this great way and like trying to make her be more brave. And I feel like in a weird way, I never actually had that in my own life, but maybe mm-hmm. just my desire for it, mm-hmm, right. it, it came out in the writing. And uh, um, so I was always, you know, just rooting for her to like, you know, I guess that was my life experience of like trying to just like, you know, leave home. I grew up in Indiana in like a relatively mm-hmm. small town, mm-hmm, not as mm-hmm. small as Cape Side, but you know, I, I feel like I grew up the kind of way where like there's one high school in your town. Oh, so, right. Like yeah. that very much so, felt like this sometimes yeah. the, with TV shows, that's what it's like, but yeah. I really up that way and and, and it's I, hard because uh, then everyone knows you and you can't escape your own weird past of your childhood yeah. exactly that's college is for so yeah exactly the idea, you know that that you go out into into the world and and uh yeah you just this is why a coming of age story is so meaningful to me and uh you know it's just really about becoming who you who you want to be. And I think like, you know, sometimes people think when you're, especially when you're a teenager, there's this idea that that's phony, but like, there's a, like a lovely, lovely line from one of the Pedro Amadovar movies that it's like, it's like, you're more authentic. The more you become the person that you dreamed of being, exactly. you know, when you were young. Yeah. So that, yeah. And yeah. It it was a real connection that I felt with that yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Same, 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 yeah. same. <laughs> Joey, yeah, Joey. I sometimes Julia I felt like I was Joey. Joey yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like really, truly, because I grew up in a small town, not as small as Cape Side, but a small town. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, um, and. You know, I I remember watching her and being like, yes, this is like, (laughs) I feel you, girl. (laughs) And I mean, she didn't have a lot of confidence. And like, we kind of moved forward into this era where we try to portray all of our, you know, all of our female heroines are like badass and they're tough. And like, there was a part of like Joey that was like that. And, you know, who knows, maybe I caused more of the problem by like just being a person who was not very confident writing the character. But um you know, and because I, I remember I had this weird moment once with a friend. It was it wasn't about Dawson's actually. It was about Pam and Jim on The Office. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And like this was just a friend, and she's also a TV writer. But she was just like, I don't understand this. Like, wh- why? How could this possibly happen in a million years? Like, why wouldn't Pam just like say I love you to Jim? And I'm like, <laughs> no, like that. Just that doesn't. That's not in her to yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if you watch the beginning of Dawson's, it's like here's this girl who can't say what she feels yeah, and yeah. to me that was really real and that's a real obstacle and yeah, yeah. not everybody is a brave badass and I think if we tell stories about you know kind of coming into your own that's actually a more powerful story because if you're just born that way it's kind of like being pretty you know like yeah. if you're born that way why is it a victory to be pretty you know right, like right, if you're right. born confident why is it a victory you know but the story of how you became that way seems like a more interesting story yeah yeah well, all of the girls find their confidence, you know, even Jen, Jen, yeah. she has to like own her sexuality and like her sexual trauma that happened to her and how she finds that place, you know? So even though she comes, she's, I'm more like a Jen where I come across confident, but that doesn't mean <laughs> you have like 100% confidence, you know, yeah. you're still trying to find yourself, you know? Cause even when she's like firm, she's like, did I do the right thing? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Horse people are mean to her because of that, you know? Um, a real loss that like, I mean, I feel like Jen's character, like, I mean, season four, there were real reasons. Like Michelle was making a movie in England and mm-hmm. like, she could only be in B stories for right. like, at least like a run of like, maybe like 10 episodes, but you know, it was just, we never really found like the great, great stories for her. And we, you know, she was a great character. And I mean, I was, I mean, obviously Michelle 
is brilliant and amazing, <laughs> but I underappreciated as a comedian, which right, you know, part right. of my thing is like, if you can be funny, you can probably do anything. And yeah. like, you know, like I said, I, I just thought Michelle was always very charming and funny. And then in her other work, she never wanted to be funny or to take comic roles until just recently she was in a comedy and she was great. Everybody was like, she's amazing. And I'm like, hello. She is amazing. Saw her in Dick, you know, which uh, yeah, that movie's hilarious. Oh my God, an American and, classic. That movie's I amazing. Know. <laughs> and like, you know, like I said, she and Kerr could really do great things with those scenes that I wrote. Yeah, I and I always appreciated it. And yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be fun to go back and yeah, do it again with what we know now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All of the girls would be nicer to each other. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Friend stories. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I also personally really related to Andy and then I felt like they didn't know what to do with her. And it's really sad. That a hundred percent agree that we did. We just got lost and like, we didn't know how to get out of, like I said, the thing that they did season two, I've never gone back and watched it, but the Andy Pacey stuff was very moving. Like the first yeah. time I watched it and yeah. it, it was amazing. And, you know, we tried to like, in the longest day, that's one of the things we were trying to do is finally like have a chance to address the Pacey Andy part of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I think that was successful. Been, that's yeah. successful. It's yeah. really compelling to watch the like Dawson dealing with his ex moving on versus Andy dealing with his, her ex moving on. And like, you know, I feel like, I feel like those stories side by side are like so compelling, you know, and just, it also highlights the way women handle their emotions better than men, you know, <laughs> but that also is societal con, you know, conditioning too. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Unfortunately, we live in the yeah. patriarchy, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's when Andy like really shines. She's really like, you're like, yes, she's coming back. Good. You know, I always secretly hoped her and Dawson got together over the summer because they were <laughs> funny to watch together. You know, they had, they had good chemistry and they were funny characters together, but that never happened obviously. So totally. Yeah. <laughs> She was a great character and, and Meredith Monroe was wonderful to work with. And I, I mean, and frankly, in a lot of ways, I'm quite an Andy, like in my novel, like the, you know, the narrator is incredibly anxious and like, mm -hmm. that was, you know, very Andy McPhee kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 No, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anxiety, the way her anxiety manifests was more my style than the way Joey's or Jen's for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, Gina. So we, that's about it. We want to thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah. I mean, you. thank you for taking the time. We, we can't thank you enough again, guys, please buy Gina's book, the spinster diaries. Yeah. It's a great, like I said, for, Perfect. I mean, we're all locked Perfect. inside right yeah. now, you know, <laughs> have fun with that. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Gina, so you did, you know, castaways, you wrote castaways, um, and you wrote some of the great episodes of season five and six. Would if we when we get there, could we call on you maybe again to talk to us about the end of the show and talk to us about the college years? Because I feel like oh we can't fit it all in right now. But like, we yeah, would love yeah. to talk to you about that stuff. Would you, oh if you're God. free, uh, we would love to call on you again. I I am here. I mean, you guys, yeah. I mean, I mean you I already like explained what we've always wanted to know about what happened to our friendship and why that scene was cut. So, <laughs> I mean, I just don't know what else, you know, that might like rock our world. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I would be thrilled. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, your guys's approach to the material, like you. where you... I mean, I, I seriously, I don't know that we were certainly not consciously trying to, you know, take down the patriarchy, but in my whole life, I've always aspired to do that. Yes. You know, that is same, like make same, us question same. these things that are expected of women and, mm -hmm. uh, we should challenge them at every turn. And uh, yes, it will be, it might be a little hard to, to go back and <laughs> think <laughs> that, but I'm willing to do it. I yeah. Am. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being with us, Gina. We yeah, so appreciate you. it. So awesome. I honestly, I can't thank you guys enough. Like it is, you know, hard to sometimes like be home alone and, uh, yes. Even, yes. if, you know, voices in the distance. It's great to feel this connection. And and honestly, to everybody who loves the show, like it is it is crazy to me that it's been so long and and all that. But it's it is so meaningful to me, like to, just to know how much people love it. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. And we want to remind you, you can write 
um, buy Gina's book, The Spencer Diaries, wherever you get your books. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dawson's Critique. You can email us, dawsonscritique at gmail.com. We want to shout out to boy Kilia for making our theme song. You can find him on Instagram at GoFreakingCrazy. You can follow my Finsta at Aaron.Hensley. Please like us, subscribe, write reviews to um, wherever you get your podcasts. We want to thank the people who have done that. That's so helpful. Um, we really appreciate it. You can follow me on social media at Pesty1079. RareBirdLit can be found online at RareBirdLit.com or on the social medias at RareBirdLit. This has been a RareBird production. I don't want to wait.